Hi, this is Matt Davids from DiceGeeks.com, and you're listening to Tale of the Manticore. The following podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Tale of the Manticore, Season 2. Like the creature from which it takes its name, Tale of the Manticore is a mashup, a crossbreeding between two different species of storytelling. Here, you will find the unpredictability of old-school RPG paper and dice games with the storycraft of a dark fantasy novel. No character is sacred, and no character will be spared if the dice decide their fate is at hand. According to lore, the tale of a manticore is barbed with cruel iron spikes. There will be much pain in the days ahead. Last time on Tale of the Manticore. Chapter 20 picks up right where 19 left off, in the Owl and Bear Tavern, with the PCs celebrating the church's victory over Bellic and the Silmorian authorities. Their plans to unleash a rust monster into the tightly packed guards at Burton Square was a success that caused everyone from Bellic to King Calfrey significant expense and embarrassment. Catsbane worries about a demonic wax seal he found in Carrick's personal chamber, but the others do not seem especially bothered. They either don't find it particularly alarming, or else they just don't want their celebration ruined. As might be expected, there's a response from the authorities to the incident at Burton Square. A curfew is put into effect while Bellic continues to hunt down a few of the escaped prisoners. King Colfrey, whom we finally get to meet, seems willing to give his captain of the City Watch a chance to put things right and restore order. I doubt there will be another opportunity if he fails here. Bellic is not going to be taking half measures. Perhaps with this in mind, the Lord Rabbit orders the PCs to go into hiding and to respect the curfew, which drags on for two weeks. By the time it's lifted, the PCs are listless, bored, and broke. Yellowfly sends Shawnee and Cole out on a pickpocketing mission. They return with some money, and Yellowfly, along with Catsbane, pulls a little con job that almost doubles their take. The marked coin grift manages to turn two platinum pieces and two gold pieces into one platinum, nine gold, and two silver pieces, plus a couple of excellent meals. I should also record that the PCs spent one silver on some bread for the others. All in all, it's a pretty good day of work. Still, I wonder, did anyone see and recognize them or catch on to Yellowfly's trick? The server, maybe? How about the toothless old man sipping wine in the corner? He was smiling about something. Well, Fly did purposefully select that specific restaurant to be their mark. That might be because he has a personal vendetta against the server or the owner, or that he believed it to be an easy mark. But it is also possible that he chose it because he suspects it has ties to the Weeping Eye. If that's the case, then the old man is a potentially meaningful NPC. Most of the Weeping Eye members are young, since the rival guild has only existed for a little over a year. But I think there's still a possibility that the old man happens to be an experienced con man who knows Yellowfly's grift. He might smile because it brings back some good memories. It could also be that Yellowfly has exposed his identity. If that's the case, I think the old man would quickly call to the back room of the restaurant and send one of the workers to follow Yellowfly home. Of course, I'm not the one telling this story. I just tap the keyboard. It's the dice that decide. I didn't roll at all during the two weeks of curfew to see if anyone was spotted. It's true, the PCs were laying low, but they did go out during the day sometimes. 
I think I'm going to assign a pretty high chance for the old man to be someone important to the story. 50-50. I'll roll high-low on a d20. High means he was just a senile old man who didn't understand what he was seeing. Low means he knew exactly what he saw. The roll. A 13. Looks like he was just a regular old man sipping wine in a restaurant. Well, the dice have spoken. And they have more speaking to do because today is a level up episode for Cole. Ready to roll? I sure am. We begin with new hit points. Cole gets a d8 as he attains level 3. The roll. A 6. Okay, I'll take it. This brings Cole up to 18. Next up are rolls for stat increases. Cole is already very powerfully built with a strength score of 16. Could this go to 17? A 5 means it will not. Intelligence? A 4. Wisdom, perhaps. I've got a 3. Dexterity, then. Another 3. Constitution? This would be useful. No, I've got yet another 3. Charisma. This is the last chance. A 6. Nice. Cole's charisma goes from a 10 to an 11. There's no mechanical bonus here, but I do think the increase makes good narrative sense. His role in pulling off the job at Burton Square was key. I could see that having a permanent effect on his confidence. Well, let's get into the story. It's been a busy day for the PCs, and they don't know this, but it isn't over just yet. Chapter 21, Part 1, Day 67, Night. Party status, Yellowfly, 19 of 19 hit points. Cole, 18 of 18. Shawnee, 13 of 13. Catsbane, 6 of 6. Spells available. Catsbane has memorized Read Magic and Magic Missile. It was about an hour past midnight. Yellowfly and Shawnee were talking quietly in the main room of their apartment, grinning at each other as they retold the highlights of their various exploits earlier in the day. Cole and Catsbane could be heard softly snoring through the open doors that led into their bedrooms. While the snoring continued unabated, Shawnee and Yellowfly abruptly stopped their dialogue. There was a sound outside, a creak upon the stairs. Someone was approaching the door. Yellowfly shot a meaningful look at Shawnee, who nodded and rose silently. She picked up a dagger from the table and slipped into the darkness of the corner nearest the door. Yellowfly drew a knife from his boot and reached behind him, tucking it into his belt so that the handle rested in the small of his back. The stairs outside creaked ever so slightly. The person on the steps was either small and light, or they were trying to move without being heard. Yellowfly waited, with his hands on his hips, ready for anything. The stranger knocked. Yellowfly hesitated, then approached the door, threw back the latch, and opened it a crack. He braced his foot against the bottom so that it could not be easily pushed in further from the other side. He waited. A small voice came. For the... Moon never beams, it said. Yellowfly's eyes flicked to Shawnee and then back at the door. He frowned. Without bringing me dreams. I'm afraid I don't know your voice, friend. Who, pray, am I about to invite into my home? My name is Zeren, came the reply. May I enter? Yes, of course, said Yellowfly, moving his foot and pulling the door the rest of the way open. It was cold out, and a gust of late autumn wind blew in along with the stranger. The woman was young, younger even than Shawnee, 
She was tall and slim, and when she pulled back the hood of her cloak, a tumble of black curly hair spilled out. There was a small but distinct mole above her mouth and to the left. Her eyes were sad. Yellowfly closed the door behind her. When she took off her cloak, he got a better look at her. Her skin, he thought, was too smooth. Her hands were too soft and her arms did not have the bulk of muscle one might expect from the working class. Furthermore, there was a hint of perfume about her. One hand went behind his back and touched the hilt of his knife. You don't strike me as the daughter of a stable master. While Yellowfly tensed, the woman seemed to relax. She laughed. <laughs> of course, that makes sense. Uh, you didn't know my father, did you? Yellowfly remained as he was, with one hand behind his back. Shawnee had completely vanished into the shadows. Yellowfly knew where she was, but he still couldn't see her. The woman folded her cloak carefully over her arm. A laborer would have thrown it over the back of the chair. May I? The woman indicated the chair Shawnee had been using. Yellowfly nodded and she took a seat, half turning to him when he did not move to sit beside her in the other chair. Thank you. My name is Twalin Zeren. It was not easy to find you. If my father hadn't been murdered by that son of a bitch Belek, I'm sure I never would have. Still, I had a most difficult time. Your organization does a good job of protecting one another. Yellowfly relaxed a bit and put his hands on his hips, arms akimbo. Why did you wish to find me? He asked. The worst thing about my father's murder was being helpless to do anything about it. Then, two days later, I learned about the mayhem at Bertram Square and I started asking questions. I had to know, who were these people who were fighting back and winning? At first, my questions were ignored, but because I am who I am, well, being in my line of work tends to loosen tongues. Raising horses, asked Yellowfly, confused. Twarlin laughed again. <laughs> uh, do you know the inn called the Soldier's Rest? Yellowfly did know the place. It was a brothel located in the Hightown Market District. He suddenly understood that Twarlin's father was the master of a different kind of stable. Ah, oh, now I understand, he said. Ah, uh, now you understand, echoed the woman. Good. So now you've found me and now I know who you are. What can I do for you? To come to the point, I'd like you to kill the man who had my father murdered. Well, I think we'd both like that, but Belloc is not an easy man to reach. Well, we'd have done it without your asking, replied Yellowfly. He's never alone, rarely goes anywhere but his home, the Tower of the Watch, and Whitestone Castle, and each place is better fortified than the last. Believe me when I say I've looked into it. I don't think I can help you, Twarlin, much as I'd like to. Not always. I know when you can catch him with his guard and his pants down. He's a patron of your establishment. She nodded. By all accounts, he takes little pleasure in it, but he uses our service once every couple of weeks. I know which room he'll be in and when. Here she pulled something out of her pocket and placed it on the table. And I have a copy of the master key. Yellowfly sat down beside her and leaned in close. He could still hear Catsbane and Cole snoring in the other room, and he could feel Shawnee's presence as she watched over them and listened in on the conversation. Well, well, well. He picked up the key. Miss Twarland's Aaron. I believe you have hired yourself some assassins. The shades of the bygone people lingers on the wind and on the lips of the survivors of this hell on earth. What stories will they tell?
Echoes of Eshetin is a solo play podcast set in the world of Degenesis, a primal punk, post-apocalyptic game by Six More Vodka Studios. With a simple D6 dice system and high-stakes combat, which should make the clutch dice rolls all the more exciting. Join me, Coop the GM, for a new story across the ruinous landscapes of Borca, the festering swamps of Franca, and the killing fields of Hyberspania. Will the characters uncover sinister plots or succumb to death a thousandfold? Find out on Echoes of Eshetan, a solo play TTRPG podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 21 Part 2 Day 68 Morning Party status. The party status is unchanged, with the exception of Catsbane, who has memorized Magic Missile times two. Yellowfly told him to get ready for a fight, so Catsbane made some changes to his usual morning routine of study. Then he closed his spellbook and joined the others, who were sitting around the table in the main room, looking at a rough charcoal-drawn map. Catsbane already knew about the visitor from the night before and what she had asked of them. He felt excited and scared. He took the seat opposite Yellowfly, who looked up briefly and nodded. The second floor has three rooms. You'll be in this one here, closest to the stairs. There'll only be one working girl in the whole place, and she'll be with him. Bella kicks out all the other girls until he and his men have finished. Cole, you and I will be hiding out in the other two bedrooms, said Yellowfly. We also have to deal with his men. There'll be two on the main floor, and they'll be alert and armed. Shawnee and Catsbane. The guards are your responsibility. Make it as quick and quiet as you can manage. Dwarlin will open the door for you and leave. You'll come in, lock the door behind you, and kill the guards. I knew. I was listening, remember? Quite right. But I was saying for Catsbane's benefit, Shawnee. This whole plan seems very risky, especially for Catsbane and Shawnee, remarked Cole. I mean, how do we know this isn't some kind of trap? Bella could be setting us up. And Dwarlin might be under Belk's control, while the fact of her father's murder is strong evidence to support the opposite. I do believe she is who she says she is, though. Yellowfly shrugged. But, as you say, there's a risk that we are the actual targets. I think it's worth that risk. We should get the Lord Rabbit's permission first, reasoned Cole. Can't, replied Shane. He said not to contact him for another two days. We won't get another chance like this one. Not for a couple of weeks. And Bellic might do much in two weeks. I don't like the short notice. This Twarlin should have come to us earlier. To be fair, she came as soon as she could. She wouldn't have come in the day. And the curfew has only just lifted. I'm inclined to believe her, too. Perhaps you just want to believe her so badly that you're willing to overlook the danger, said Cole. He was beginning to sound like Tamlin, he realized. Perhaps I am, replied Shane. What say you, Catsbane? Catsbane looked up from the poorly drawn map. As for me, I'd very much like to kill this man. The free use of girls who worked at the soldiers' rest seemed to have been part of the arrangement between Belloc and Tuarlan's father. He never paid, and his men never paid. But the stablemaster's daughter suspected that this free service was probably only a small part of their former relationship. Whatever had caused her father to be tortured, then released, and later executed, was beyond her ability to guess. Since her mother had long been out of the picture, Tuarlan now ran the business. Perhaps Belloc would try to force her into some kind of uncomfortable arrangement, too. The stablemaster's daughter did not want to find out. Yellowfly had asked if there would be other guests present that night, and Tuarlan had promised there would not be. When Bella came round, he forced all the other girls to leave. 
He always brought two men with him, and they were not allowed to spend time with the single girl until Bellick was finished with her. They were made to wait on the first floor, in their armor, and with weapons at hand. The soldier's rest was a two-story building with a fruit cellar. The windows on the first floor were all bricked up, and the ones on the second floor were barred. There was a main floor, a small office, and two bedrooms on the ground level, with three more bedrooms on the floor above. On a typical night, in the past, there would have been six girls working, with Stable Master's Aaron there to keep accounts, and Twarlin running errands, serving drinks, and learning the business from her father. Of course, Twarlin was on her own now, and there would only be the one working girl there tonight. She and Bellick would be upstairs. Yellowfly arranged it so he and Cole would be on the second floor, too, hiding under the beds of the two unused rooms. This had been a tough decision for Yellowfly. Should there be one or two of them upstairs? He had settled on two. Killing Bellick was the mission, and with two they would be much less likely to fail, even if it did increase the danger for Catsbane and Sean A. Bellick's two guards, whomever had earned the right to enjoy his leftovers, would be standing guard in the main room downstairs. Twarlin had told them that they would be really sitting guard, as they tended to play at cards while their captain busied himself upstairs. All the other rooms would be empty. Twarlin had suggested that they wait for a few minutes for everyone to get comfortable before making their move. Bellick would take his time in doffing his armor and getting into a vulnerable position. The girls said he never talked to them and didn't like it when they spoke to him either, so there would be no need to wait very long. The plan was for Tuarlin to step out on some pretense, to take out a chamber pot or something like that, when the time was right. When they heard her leave, Yellowfly and Cole would come out from hiding and go to work. They had Tuarlin's copy of the Master Key, so getting to Bellick wouldn't be a problem. At the same time, on the first floor, Catsbane and Shawnee would come in and kill the two guards. That was the plan. It wasn't perfect, but it was simple. But here's the thing about plans, even simple ones. They never really fall out as we expect, do they? I wonder if this one will. I can think of a few things that could go very wrong here. What if Bellic brings more than two guards? It's already an even match, so that would be bad news. Of course, things could go well, too. The guards might put down their weapons and take off their helmets if they feel comfortable. Torlin has seen them do it in the past. It probably depends on who Bellic brings. Some guards are more diligent than others. I'll make a single die roll using a d10. A high roll means that there will be some kind of advantage. A low roll will mean unforeseen complications. The roll. Oh, I've rolled a 10. Chapter 21. Part 3. Day 68. Night. Party status. The party's status is unchanged. The late autumn wind was even colder at night. It pushed the heavy weather-stained sign so that it swung like a pendulum over their heads. Once it had been brightly painted, a joyful invitation to the establishment, with each of the first letters of the soldier's rest done in bold red and larger than the other letters, which were white. Shawnee had just begun to shiver when the door opened and Tuarlin came out, wrapped in a thick wool cloak. Her dark curly mane of hair was caught by the wind and started whipping about. In one hand she cradled the chamber pot, the other clenched her cloak tightly shut. Tuarlin shot them a strange look as she hurried out. It made Shawnee and Caspian hesitate since they'd been about to approach the door. Just then a guard appeared in the rectangle of light and followed Tuarlin outside, shutting the door behind him. He was already unbuckling his belt, and his face had a pinched expression. Presumably, he needed to make water very badly, and didn't want to wait for Twarlin to return with the empty chamber pot. It was an incredible stroke of luck that Shawnee and Caspian took full advantage of. 
As soon as Torlin and the guard disappeared around the corner and into the alley, they opened the door to the soldier's rest and slipped inside. It was warm in the main room, that the fireplace was down to embers. Facing it was the other guard. He was dressed in a chain hauberk and was sitting with his back to them. <laughs> that was quick. Did you forget to bring your... The loud click of Catsbane throwing the latch and locking the door cut him off, and he turned around. His eyes went wide at the sight of them. Grabbing his sword, he stood and kicked his chair to the side. An instant later, when he was sure of what was happening, he yanked the weapon free of its scabbard and he yelled upstairs. Hello? Billick! Murderers! Entering combat. I'm ruling that the act of locking the door to keep the second guard out eliminates any chance for surprise, so we are going straight to initiative. Round one, the guard. A five, Shawnee and Catsbane. A two, the guard is a tall man and enjoys a long reach, much as Yellowfly does. He's able to strike first. Shawnee is wearing leathers, but has an AC of 14 because of her dexterity bonus. The guard, by the way, is a second level fighter with 11 hit points. His chainmail gives him an AC of 14. His attack. The seven is a miss. Shawnee parries the blow with her short sword and counterattacks with a vicious riposte. A three. The guard brings the pommel of his sword down on her blade as it comes in and knocks it harmlessly away. Catsbane, for his turn, casts Magic Missile. His third eye opens and sends a white bolt of magical energy towards the target. It curls around Shawnee and strikes with perfect accuracy. There's no need to roll. The spell guarantees a hit. Damage will be two to seven. Roll it. Five points. The magical bolt slams into the guard's left shoulder and his face contorts in surprise and pain. Ugh. Round two, the guard. A one, Shawnee and Catsbane. A five. This guard was not prepared to face a wizard and has, in fact, never seen magic in his life. He hesitates. Shawnee darts in, but a 12 misses. The guard's reflexes are good and he bats her blade aside. Catsbane fires a second magic missile, which streaks forward in a straight line this time. It does four points of damage. It smashes into the guard's knee, rupturing his chainmail legging and splashing blood on the floor. The guard has just two hit points left. Staggered, he takes a wild two-handed swing at Shawnee with his longsword. A one! Shawnee catches his blade just right and twists, disarming him and sending his blade flying. Presently, there's a knock on the front door. The other guard has returned, only to find he's been locked out. Round three, the guard. A four, Shawnee and Catsbane. A two. The guard doesn't know that Catsbane is out of magic missiles, but he does know that he cannot endure another hit. I'm going to roll a morale check. He's alone, unarmed, outnumbered, and almost dead, so I'm dropping his usual score of nine to an eight. The roll. A 12. That's a fail. The guard drops to his knees and shows his hands in surrender. Unfortunately for him, he's facing Shawnee. Also unfortunate, he's essentially prone, so I'm giving her a plus two to hit. Her roll. A 15 after the bonus. And a six on the damage die. Youch. She shoves her short sword through his heart, and he falls over dead while his friend bangs away at the front door. Shawnee yanks the blade free and wipes it on the dead guard's tabard. She's breathing hard smelling his blood. Hey, open up in there. Open this door right now. Ignoring the noise at the front door, both she and Catsbane look up at the top of the staircase, wondering how Cole and Yellowfly have fared. I'm wondering the same thing. In fact, I'm dying to know. But it'll have to wait until next time.
Thank you for listening to Tale of the Manticore. If you like what you've heard and would like to lend your support, there are lots of ways to help. You can recommend the show online or to friends. You can like and retweet episode announcements on Twitter. You can purchase One Shot in the Dark or the Pendulum World Building Tool. Each of those is priced at under the cost of a cup of coffee. Or you can pick up Encyclopedia Manticorica for free. These can all be found on DriveThruRPG. Finally, you can rate or review the show on your podcatcher of choice. Thanks to everyone who has supported the show in these ways. I'd like to share one of your generous reviews right now. This one is on Apple Podcasts and was posted by PMForget01. PMForget01 writes, Superhost, his voice is soothing for night owls looking for some D&D content. The story is well brought and we don't get entangled in the rulings. The characters are great and we can identify to them. Keep up this amazing work. Roll well, roll often. <laughs> Thanks very much, PM Forget Zero One. I try to roll as often as I can, although, you know, occasionally I look at an episode script and realize I've only rolled a single die. It's like those table sessions where you realize you haven't picked up your dice in two hours. Now, as for rolling well, uh, I run through hot and cold streaks, but I keep buying new dice and eventually I'll get a set that's blessed by the gods. That is how it works, right? Anyway, thanks so much for your very kind review. Of course, I'd also like to thank my amazing voice talent. I'm excited to introduce Catherine Edmonds, playing Tuarlin Zarin, the Stable Master's daughter. Catherine hosts a Twitch channel, and it has some killer Dark Souls 2 content. I hope she won't mind my adding. You can find it at www.twitch.tv slash Catherine Edmonds. That's Catherine with a K and a Y. Kyellen is back in his usual role as Catsbane, too. Don't forget to check out Kyellen's music for your own production projects. Kyellen's work on SoundCloud is free for anyone to use. If you want to listen to RPG-style soundtracks or use them in your home games, search for him on Spotify, Bandcamp, or other music stores. If anyone's listening and wants to get in touch with me, I'm on the usual socials, at Manticore Tale on Twitter or Tale of the Manticore Podcast on Instagram. My email is taleofthemanticore at gmail.com. I reply to every message I receive. If anyone listening has tried to contact me in the past but hasn't gotten a reply, please do try again. I hope that hasn't happened, but if it has, it's probably due to an oversight on my part. Finally, I keep a blog where I post all kinds of show and RPG-related stuff, like art, maps, tables, crafts, and show notes. It goes all the way back to the genesis of the show, and I update it about once per week. You can find it at taleofthemanticore.blogspot.com. The adventure will continue on the next episode of Tale of the Manticore, the story where chaos rolls. Hi, I'm Steve Morrison, and I'm a writer and game master who has combined my love of stories and tabletop gaming into a solo actual play series called Errant Adventures. Join me as I explore different stories in different genres using a variety of my favorite tabletop role-playing games. In Season 1, I use Ironsworn Starforged to discover the adventures of Lucius Tarquin in the dangerous space of the Forge. For Season 2, I tell a story inspired by the Black Company books in my own fantasy world. Join members of the mercenary company The Crest as they take contracts in the seaside city of Hartvale. I've got short runs of games like Colossal, Pilgrimage of the Sun Guard, and more on the way. Whether a long-form campaign or a short series, Errant Adventures features stories told at the speed of dice. So join me on the podcatcher of your choice as I discover where the story goes next.